0: Welcome to the BizDad Podcast, where we dive into the melding of fathership and entrepreneurship with your host, the original BizDad himself, Adam Labar. Adam is a Christian, a former Air Force officer, a dad to three amazing kids, a coach, a real estate investor, and a business owner. On this podcast, he'll explore the unique journeys of amazing dads who are striving for greatness in both business and family. So whether you're a dad who is an aspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business owner, or simply a man striving to be a better dad, get ready as the BizDad brings you conversations to inspire, challenge, and equip you to be a better dad and entrepreneur. And now, here's Adam. Adam
1: what is going on everybody welcome to the biz dad podcast today we have on uh jordan barry i uh i haven't personally had the pleasure to meet jordan in, in person yet but i really look forward to kind of digging in deep uh, on this conversation um as you guys know i love talking about being a dad and uh business and he loves being a dad and running businesses so this should be a really good conversation um so jordan why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself your family and tell us about uh your businesses
2: yeah, awesome. Uh Match Made in Heaven. Uh so thanks for having me on the show first of all. Super of excited. Uh lo- yeah, like you said, love business, love uh being a dad and uh excited to talk about it. So appreciate that. Uh yeah, so I uh actually was uh starting in while I was in college, I I got a job as a pastor and was a youth pastor and pastor for fourteen, fifteen years. Uh and uh ended up kind of getting out of that. And that's sort of where the the entrepreneur journey uh, began through buying a laundromat. Uh, and so I'm in sort of the laundromat space, got laundromats and uh, and run a platform called Laundromat Resource, uh, which is helping kind of educate and connect up the industry uh, and people who want to join into the industry or buy into the industry or whatever. Uh, so that's, that's sort of on the entrepreneur side where I'm at right mm-hmm. now. I've got some real estate also. Um, Family, uh, married, have two kids, uh, Noah, who's 12, and Evangeline, who is almost 10. She'll be 10 in a little over a month, uh, so nine and three-quarters or something.
1: I'm sure that that's what she says, too. Like, I'm that's, nine and three-quarters, Dad. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not nine. Get it yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And uh, how long have you been married?
2: Uh, man, we're coming up on 18 years, uh, in like a week, actually 10 days.
1: Nice. Very cool. 18 years.
2: Uh, And what's her name? Uh, her name's Allison and our marriage is becoming an an adult, an adult this year. So excited about that. There
1: you go. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) So that's awesome. Yeah. It's, you know, it's one of those things I was walking around with my wife. Um, I think it was our, our anniversary. I don't know three years ago, something like that, two years ago. And this one couple uh, watched us walking by. Maybe it was last year. Um, cause we were going to watch the new Top Gun. So it had to be last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this one couple walked by like, and the lady was like, oh my goodness, you guys are such a cute couple together, you know? And, uh, she was slightly intoxicated, but, um, <laughs> she says, uh, how long you guys been together? I was like, oh, actually we're celebrating, uh, 12 years. And she's like, oh my goodness, 12 years. That's so long. I got to learn from you. I'm like, T- how is 12 years so long? You know, I'm thinking like, I suppose in 2022, it is a long time that somebody's yeah. married for 12 years, but golly, man, it's, uh, I, I love, um, uh you know military guys tend to get divorced a, a lot, so you hear a lot of oh yeah, we've been married for three years, so like anybody that makes it past five year mark people are impressed by you know right. um, so i i love uh um I love being able to hear folks being married for eighteen years and um, happily married but one thing I did not know i don't remember reading it in your is the the um or in the in the one sheet was uh being a pastor that's pretty awesome. I did not know that about you um yeah. what led you down the road to being a pastor
2: uh well. Uh, well. <laughs> a need for money really so okay. when I was in, right. when I was in college i uh I was in uh, a group called Campus Crusade for Christ uh-huh. and yeah. uh we were you know we we had this meeting i had i was working so here's I, it's such a weird story, but I was working at a grocery store here called Vaughns, and I got a quote unquote promotion uh mm-hmm. at, at some point to work night's uh stocking liquor. Um, at Vons. And so I was going to school full-time college and working nights stocking liquor at Vons and got to the point where I slept through like a midterm. And then one day uh, I was driving home from work in the morning to go to school. And I was in the fast lane on the freeway and I fell asleep and I woke up like, a couple feet from the slow lane wall and did not get an accident, thankfully, but that was sort of my no pun intended wake-up call. Wake up call. Yeah. Uh that like this cannot happen anymore. So in Campus Crusade, I was just like, hey, you know, I'm looking for a new job. So if anybody knows anything, like, let me know. And the guy who was leading the group after was like, hey, I have this I know this pastor in the area who's looking for a youth pastor. And uh like I think you'd be great at it, you should you know you should apply for it, and I was like, okay like i i don't I don't really know what that means, but sure yeah, I'll do that um so anyways, I applied for it and got the job, and I started four days after my twenty first birthday and at the time, I was studying physics and uh that was in February and then by May or June, I decided, hey, this, I love doing this. I want to do this more. Yeah. And so, I transferred schools, changed my major from physics to ministry, and kind of was off to the races from there, I guess. That's where
1: I met That's my That's an wife, interesting change. That new school. From physics yeah, I know. It's a, That's
2: a- <laughs> there's a lot of overlap, you know, between the classes. No, actually, it took <laughs> me an extra imagine. year. Uh, so I was like three years into my physics degree, a year from graduating, and I had to go two more years because there was so little overlap obviously between yeah. those two degrees that i had to yeah. take a whole lot of other courses so.
1: i would imagine yeah, yeah. so um the uh, crew i like i'm fully supportive of the loss awesome. of the, the crew bishop like quite literally yeah. i i donate one of my friends um she used to run a, a big crew ministry thing with some um you know, getting people prepped for Olympics and various different things from the colleges, and so I uh, I still donate to her her stuff, and it's it's pretty awesome. But that, yeah, that's um, cool. The things that's that very cool the things that program does. So, um, highly recommend if anybody is interested to look into crew. Yeah. Um, but uh, all right, so um, <laughs> after 14 15 years of doing that, uh, yeah. you decided to go and buy a laundromat. So you went from physics. To ministry, Mm -hmm. ministry to laundromats. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm assuming there's some sort of a story somewhere in the middle there. Like, were you like washing your laundry at a laundromat and said, you know, I bet you somebody owns that. Like, how did that, how did that go down? No, no. I mean, to me, it just seems like the logical progression.
2: Just like physics, right? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) it does seem to be just the next step. Yeah. Very, yeah. I mean, it's just,
1: I could have laid this out in a book just fine.
2: Walking down the path here, and that's (laughs) just where it led me, right? (laughs) Uh, No, so. No, you know, it's so funny. There's so many times where in my life, I'm like, how, where am I right now in life? Uh How did I get here? (laughs) So it is pretty funny. So, uh, you know, after that time in uh, doing ministry, uh, you know, we had our our kids and I think my son was four and my daughter was like just born. Maybe he was three and a half and she was just born, like maybe around a year old. Um, And you know, it's just ministry is just so it's taxing. Uh, and, and it was taxing on me and a lot of demands on my time and, and energy. Um, but also, it's just taxing on my wife. Like, I was at that time, I was working at a really big church. Uh, and so, there's just a lot of like, it, it's this sounds really weird, but you're almost like a little mini celebrity. Like, everybody knows who you are, and there's like thousands of people. You don't know everybody. Mm -hmm. there's just too many people to know and but everybody knows who you are and specifically excuse me sorry specifically for my wife who's very introverted and very private it was a tough you know a tough thing for her and then also she was transitioning she's a teacher a Mm -hmm. special ed teacher and she was transitioning from being a full-time teacher to she's being a stay-at-home mom and then the kids were it's just so hard. You know, I, you guys know, like, it's just hard when you have those young kids yeah. Um, and especially like you're transitioning out of being a career person to a stay at home mom. And it was just a tough transition. There's just a lot of demand. So anyways, it was time to just like take a break from doing that uh, vocationally, at least, and yeah. trying to figure out what to do. We're here in Southern California. We owned our house. And I was like, here's what we should do. We should rent out our house. We should take the money we've got in the bank go buy a condo on the beach in Hawaii, go live on the, on the beach somewhere for, you know, doing whatever. It doesn't even matter. I don't even care. Sell jewelry on the beach. I don't care. Uh, and we'll go live in, in Hawaii for a little bit till the kids are school age. And then if we want to, we can come back to California and net gain condo in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. My wife was like, yes, we could do that. Or we could buy a laundromat. And so <laughs> we bought a laundromat and I spent many, a uh, bitter nights at that laundromat, uh, and we can talk about this if we want to, but it did not go well, that first laundromat. Yeah. Yeah. And so I spent many a better nights thinking I could be on the beach in Hawaii right now. And instead I'm in East LA, uh, in the middle of the night trying to fix whatever I was working on. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a rough go, but that was yeah. the idea behind it. The concept behind it was, you know, let's let's put our money into something that will create some income and not demand all our yeah. time. Right. Like what we were looking for was we needed income and we were trying to free up some time. Cause we had these young kids and uh, I wanted to be around as much as possible. And um, so that was the idea behind it. It did not work out that way with that laundromat, yeah. um, but uh, that was the idea behind it.
1: Nice. All right. Yeah. My, my first real estate deal did not go so well either. We, we, we can uh-huh. swap stories and, have a great time chatting about those. Uh, but honestly, they're, they're unbelievable learning experiences when they don't go well. If you stick to them and understand that you're learning from these things, then <clears throat> it can make a huge difference in your, in your future just by getting that extra master's degree that you probably got dealing with that terrible, uh, terrible property. So, and that's what yeah. I usually like to call my first deal is it was my master's degree in real estate because I learned so much. It was ridiculous.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, really, the, the whole laundromat resource kind of platform uh, that I have now is it's based off of that. Like the whole, the whole reason I created it was so that nobody else had to experience what I experienced, uh, going through that stuff. Cause there really wasn't a lot of information out when I bought my first laundromat, there really wasn't a whole lot online. There were, there weren't a lot of resources. People were very guarded with their, you know, their information about their businesses. And, I struggled for a long time just trying mm-hmm. to figure out. I was like desperately seeking like who can help me, you know, and you hear all these stats, like, you know, laundromats are successful 95% of the time. And I'm like, how is this possible that I'm in the 5%? <laughs> I got the 5%? How is this deal? Yeah. yeah. Like, how is this, you know, it, but it really messed with me because I never saw myself as like a, you know, somebody who's going to fail at anything really. Cause yeah. I've just, you know, it, taken really good care to, to succeed at the things that I set out to do. And it, so it, it messed with me, man. It was rough. I
1: bet. Yeah. We'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll dig into that a little bit for sure. Before we jump that route though, I want to kind of rewind a little bit. Yep. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I'm nursing a cold over here. So pardon my clearing of my throat multiple times. I'll try to mute as much as possible. But um, let's rewind and go back to uh, when you were uh, a child, when you were younger. Um, tell us a little bit about your dad, your upbringing. <clears throat> um, and the reason I asked dad specifically, of course, is because this is a dad podcast. But obviously, tell us about your mom as well and, and um, just kind of understand where, where you come from.
2: Uh, yeah. So glad glad to talk about it. Had- blessed to have really great parents obviously uh no parents are perfect but Mm -hmm. uh grew up in a i don't know loving household um but definitely had some some stuff specifically i guess with my dad that helped sort of shape me both in in good and bad and in ways that have have caused me to wrestle with how i want to live my life uh too and so you know i can talk a little bit about that but uh my dad is Hardworking, hardworking guy. He was a welder uh, when I was real young, and you know, when I grew up in my early years, till I think I was like five or six or you know, somewhere in there, um, we lived on a pig farm in Southern California here, and it was not our farm, but we lived in essentially what we lived in was a small trailer park that was on a pig farm, Mm -hmm. Um, and we lived in half a trailer, and then his. Dad and mom lived in the other half of the trailer. Um and he was he was a welder and on the job, I think, he he got injured, uh, hurt his back, and he had he had back problems the rest of his life uh because of that. Um, so he couldn't do welding anymore and and uh ended up finding uh like a white-collar desk job, essentially, that he worked at the rest of his life. Um, and it was a great job for him, you know, growing up, I have two younger brothers, um, and my middle brother had a uh, kidney failure. And so he was in and out of the hospital a lot. We thought he was not going to make it a few times. Um, but that job that my dad had really, I mean, first of all, the, just, he had good insurance, which obviously was really, really helpful, um, with all of the medical stuff. Um, but also, they were just really good about helping him, uh, you know, giving him the time and space to be present, you know, when he needed to be uh, for the family. So, a lot of really good came out of that job. However, uh, my dad really hated that job for mm-hmm. for decades. And I, I remember having, you know, when I got into college, you know, and, you know, when you're in college, a lot of... You know, ideas seem like good ideas. Uh, And I I genuinely still think that, you know, some of the stuff I share with my dad is he should have done these things. Um, But I was like, look, we don't need you to make how much. He felt like he couldn't leave. He almost had like golden handcuffs kind of thing. Yeah. Like he couldn't leave his job. He really wanted to be a teacher. uh, Would have been really great at it. Um, But he felt like he couldn't leave his job. Uh, because you know, he just income and, and all that stuff. So, uh, but I had these conversations. I'm like, look, like, even if we all had to just tighten the belt a little bit or whatever, like we would rather do that than have you suffer like at this job that you hate, like he, he proactively hated it. Um, and so, but he just, he couldn't, he couldn't leave it. Um, so he lived with constant stress, he had constant pain in his back and it just, you know, I just watched this whole process and he finally got to a point where I think he was pretty aggressively, you know, investing in retirement. And when he was 62, he was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to retire next year. Um, I think I can do it. I'm going to retire next year. So we're all super excited about that. Um, but then, you know, he had a massive heart attack and Mm. died and never, never got to retire, worked the job that he hated until he died. And, and just that whole sort of experience. I mean, obviously that was just like really broad strokes I painted that with. Right. But that whole experience has really shaped the way that I've viewed life. And I feel like, you know, it makes me so sad that he he lived his life that way, and obviously there was a lot of joy in, in life too. He didn't hate life, uh, but uh, man, I just wish wish we could just go back and yeah. you know do do things differently for him, and and you know hopefully have him around longer. And it makes me really sad. Like he loved my kids. My kids were real young he loved my kids my kids loved him and it just makes me sad that he's not getting to see them grow up and they're they're really not going to remember him except through the memories that we share and there's a couple yeah. of photos you know i mean there's photos and and stuff like that but they're really not going to remember him you know on their own and it just makes me super sad so anyways that's real broad strokes i'm sure we can dive into that a little bit more but yeah
1: Wow. Yeah. The, um, yeah, there's a ton of parallels between you and I in, in, in some of this and our, our fathers. Um, so you're just, you're, you're putting things into a different perspective than I was expecting during this conversation. Right. So, um, my dad was in the air force and broke his back working on an aircraft. Um, Jeez. and then he had to, had to leave the military because he wasn't able to do that anymore. Um, healed up enough to become a correction officer. He literally did that because my sister had a kidney issue. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, and there was massive bills that were involved with that. She had this crazy disease called nephrotic syndrome. Um, that I mean, it, the doctors they were calling doctors from other states all over the place, trying to figure out what's wrong with her. She swelled up like a balloon, um, and they couldn't figure out why. Like her body just stopped processing things properly. Her kidneys did. Um, they had to medevac her to a different state. Like it was just it was a mess. Um, uh, and my dad ends up becoming a correction officer because it had good health benefits and to be able to support his family. So he did that for 26 years, hating that job like i mean he he, he did what a lot of uh, you know men in, of those days did and they're just like no this is what i need to do for my family so i put my head down and i go mm-hmm. um and i don't complain about it like i was probably the one he would complain about it to the most because i'm the only the only other dude in the house right mm-hmm. so but um uh but man i look at him now and we had done everything we could to convince him to retire like dude you like it was just getting worse they were losing their ability to be able to um uh, even keep themselves safe at at, at some points as a correction officer. And then, um, we finally convinced him to leave right after COVID started. Um, he retired and now he's living on a golf course. I'm thinking to myself, man, just a couple more years later, he could have been killed on the job. He could have had a heart attack because of the stress it was doing. He's already lost like 30 pounds, um, 30 or 35 pounds after getting out. And it's like, what a, like, hearing your story as as sad as it is i'm i'm appreciative looking at my father going i'm i i'm glad that he is still here because he's that age right he's 60 i don't know 60 something right now 63 60 yeah 63 i think he is so mm-hmm. like it could have easily been him right now um yeah. uh if he would have stayed in that job so i uh even me personally really appreciate that that story as as heartbreaking as it is to hear so um uh, let's rewind a little bit cause I have a couple things I want to, I want to, I want to hit on, but, mm-hmm. um, you, you, uh, put an asterisk and maybe this has something to do with, with, I don't know where where at in, in the life it started, but you said that there were a few things that you saw that you learned from your dad that kind of taught you how you want to live your life. Um, was it going down that route of being in a job that he hated or was it something from that you remember from growing up or a little bit of both? Uh
2: yeah, I'd say I'd say both. I mean, I think, you know, one one of the things my dad I, I I'd say a gift my dad gave me. I, I mean, he gave me many gifts, uh not not like presents, but like yep. you know, just one thing I took from him was just how he thought about things like problems and life and issues. He was always uh, you know, he was always just thinking very logically about stuff, especially with problems, um, or issues or, and he was very like, uh, handy mechanical, all that stuff. Um, and he would just approach problems very logically and help me. Like, I I feel like the, the problem solver side of me came from my dad and how he, he taught me how to think. So, so I really, uh, I really appreciate that. And I've been a very big uh, DIYer for a long mm-hmm. time. And I think that came from my dad. Um, however, I'm less and less of a DIYer now because I'm starting to see more and more the value of yeah. you know, focusing on my unique ability, you know, those, those types of things. Um, however, I think that still served me so well. And I spent, you know, a lot of time like working on cars, working on our houses, you know, just, you know, doing all that stuff uh, that, you know, it's just given me a lot of skills and a lot of understanding, not just about how to work on cars and how to work on houses and stuff, but on how to approach problems and, and to solve them uh, almost like systematically almost. Um, mm-hmm. So, that's that's part of it. Um, but I mean, I'd say the, the bigger part was has to do with how he lived his life kind of on two fronts. So, one is like the job front. And for me, like I just, I would rather... Uh, obviously, I want good things for my family and, and my situation is different from his, right? And from your dad's where, thankfully, at least at this point in time, our family is healthy. Yeah. I don't I don't have to like go do something I don't want to do in order to, you know, make sure my kids have, you know, specific health care for a specific issue or anything like that. Uh, what's up, man? Uh, I forgot to
1: and, warn you that my kids like to make cameos in the podcast.
2: Yeah, awesome. So. Uh And so, you know, but so I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that I don't, I'm not in that situation that he was in, um, Mm -hmm. but it just was like very eye opening to me. Like, Hey, I, I want to think a little bit about how I want my life to look and then work towards that. Even if I can't have that now, um, I want to work towards building a life that is going to, you know, make me healthy and happy and, and make my family healthy and happy. Um, and, uh, so I, I think that was one big thing. And then his other, the other thing that I kind of took away from him is, uh, like he, like you, I mean, you said too that your dad, like he was not super healthy. My dad, I mean, he was coping with stress in the best ways he could. He wasn't a drinker. He didn't drink. He didn't, you know, do anything like that. Um, but he, you know, he ate when he was stressed. He. Ended up with type two diabetes, and he was not really, you know, taking care of himself with the diabetes that he had either uh, there towards the end. And so, you know, I just I looked at that, and you know, looking at him, he died at I think sixty two. His dad died at fifty eight. No, no males on that side of the family have lived longer than my dad. Jeez. And for me, you know, I'm forty one now. I'm like. That's like twenty years from now. Yeah. Like, there's a there's a very real chance I've got twenty years left if I'm mm-hmm. lucky, and that really shifted my perspective on life a lot. And um, I made some pretty drastic changes. Um, I was never like super unhealthy, um, but I started doing some research on how to how to Optimize my life for longevity. Like that's that's my goal and my direction now. So I've shifted up my nutrition. Uh, you know, I'm now I'm a vegan plus fish and no sugar. Uh, it's not really a real thing. It's not like a. I don't think it has a name. Um, but
1: pescatarian, it, right?
2: not pescatarian, because pescatarian is vegetarian, and so they can have nah, cheese touche. and touche. you know what I mean. So it's yeah. like almost like pesca vegan but with no sugar. <laughs> Uh, so, um, sugarless pesky vegan, how about that? Uh, but you know, just from, you know, doing a little bit of research and stuff and I don't know that I have it all nailed down, but you know, it seems like the, the, the vegan plus fish seems to be one of the healthiest diets for longevity Mm -hmm. and, and just getting rid of the sugar, um, you know, I think can only be good. Uh, you know, for me, so so I've been doing that for four or five years now. Um, and my my thought process behind that is like, look, this widowmaker heart attack that plagues our family, I I may not be able to do anything about it. You know, it, it tends to be genetic. Um, there may not be a whole lot I can do about it, but whatever I can do, I'm going to do. So my nutrition plans there. I am very active uh, in, you know, running, biking, swimming, mostly I do triathlons and stuff. And, um, you know, just trying to stay active and trying to stay as healthy as I can to have as much time with my family and friends as I can. And, and as much time, you know, trying to give back to, to people, uh, too, you know, both through the businesses I run and, you know, and otherwise. So
1: so i want to challenge you a little bit on the the thought process there with the heart attack right so like my dad's dad died um from a heart attack when my dad was one um so like brand new never really got to know his dad right um yeah. and here's here's my dad doing a uh, very unhealthy sides of the family so um and i just recently started telling the boys um especially and my and my wife saying hey i i mean i was beat up a lot in the military i've got multiple surgeries under my belt i've got multiple bulging discs i i'm constantly in pain bouncing around moving things and i used to always joke um, and i say used to deliberately right now because i just adjusted this like two days ago um i don't remember what it was i was listening to but it kind of smacked me in the face and said you need to fix this was and i'm always like oh man i'm an old broken man you know um but I'm, I'm not old and I'm not really broken. You know, I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm sore. I'm hurting. I've got some things I need to do to improve my life. Mm -hmm. Um, but you're already doing a lot of those things. So, you know, I, I would put the heart attack side completely away. Like that's not something that you need to worry about. You are taking care of yourself. You're not, you know, um, you're not on a path to diabetes. You're not on a path to, you know, the normal heart attack symptoms that what you're, you know, you mentioned about your dad. Right. So, um, Take it as a learning point from from what you saw, I and mean, you already seem to have done it. Uh, but you know, like I tell the kiddos, like the words we use have power. So um, don't uh, don't don't give those don't don't let those words take power away from you. Make sure those words are giving power to you. So you've have, you've have eliminated the concern by changing the things that you've done, as opposed to you know running away from the concern by doing these changes. So yeah, yeah,
2: well, yeah, and I mean, I think that that is the goal, you know, right? Yeah. Is is to learn from, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been traditionally a, (laughs) I've got to learn the hard way kind of person. Um, and that, you know, I've seen that, uh, big time on my entrepreneur side over there. Um, but I'm really trying to be more of a learn from others, you know, As much as shortcut the learning curve as much as possible, and in the ways that you can, Um, you know, you are obviously going to still go through difficulties and and gain wisdom, good old fashioned way. Um, However, you know, and I think this is like, as I think about my dad and I look through, I look all the way down the genealogy as far as we have, and and just seeing, hey, nobody's lived even that long, you know. To me, it was just like, uh, okay, like. I can't control everything, but here are the things that I can yeah. control and I'm going to do those things. And you know, whatever happens is going to happen. Um, yeah. But you know, D- here's the, things yourself that the I best can chance do. to, yeah. All right. Yep. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Makes sense. So, um, all right. So going back again, uh, ch- 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 all right, let's, let's go into the boy. I don't know. I feel like I could spend another hour talking about uh, your dad and the upbringing and um, how all that went, but uh, it, it, was the, was your dad's white collar job have anything to do with businesses or anything like that? Like you you somehow got this business thing. Obviously you mentioned it from your wife, but yeah, no, or or even the pastor thing. Like, did that stem at all from your parents? Like,
2: no, well, yeah, my parents were Christian. So, I mean, there was that they weren't, they, they did, they taught some Sunday school classes and stuff growing up. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, sort of, trailblaze that well my dad Mm -hmm. okay so actually this is my dad did sort of start a like a pest control business with his brother um it was very short-lived and i wasn't really involved with it and really wasn't i mean i was aware of it but didn't really it wasn't on my radar at all um that actually did not end well either uh ended with my dad's brother kind of you know, I, well, I don't know all the things that went down, but I, it wasn't mm-hmm. good. And it caused a rift it, between my dad and his brother for a long time. Um, and I think they, they sort of made up not too long before my dad died, um, which I'm glad, I'm thankful that that happened. Yeah. Um, but for a lot of years, it caused a rift between them and that business folded. And, and there were, I don't know all the issues, but I know there were some tax issues and stuff like that that went down. Um, but that's the only sort of foray into entrepreneurship from uh, from my family. And in fact, I mean, when we bought our first laundromat, I did not like. I was so I was so naive. I had no idea what we were getting yeah. into, which is why we made all the mistakes, right? And um, you know, I I didn't think of it as entrepreneurship. I didn't really even think of it as business ownership. I was just like, oh, we're just buying a laundromat, uh, mm-hmm. and so all of my My entrepreneurial journey basically started the day we closed on our laundromat. Yeah. And that's when I was like, okay, I'm starting to understand what I've walked into here. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and I went on like a binge fest listening to podcasts and audiobooks and reading books and, you know, everything from there. And so really my education started the day we bought that laundromat um And going well, let 's go into that
1: him. tell me tell me about how I mean your your wife Allison obviously is the one who told you that you should buy it first. Mm-hmm. where did she get the idea that laundromats were the good the good thing yeah. to do and then tell <laughs> us how that process went
2: yeah well, and it's funny because if you know my wife, this is very uncharacteristic of her to suggest something like this um and and honestly, she' probably regretted it ever since uh to a degree at least for a long time uh, yeah. that laundromat so uh because it didn 't go well. Uh, but her, the, the idea came from, so try to follow me here. Her parents mm-hmm. have uh, friends whose son uh, worked in tech in the San Francisco Bay Area. And he ended up buying a laundromat for whatever reason and ended up leaving his tech job and was working like five to 10 hours a week and, and replaced his tech income. And so my wife heard about that and she was like, well shoot, we should do that. And I was like, yeah. well, shoot, we should do that. Um, and so that's- Five that's to 10 dollar a week sounds great. Yeah. yeah, Oh yeah, gosh, it was great. So, I mean, like I said, the idea was income coming in and not a whole lot of time commitment. And it ended up being the exact opposite of that as yeah. I was over there all the time. And there was not only no money coming in, we were losing money for a long yeah. time. So did not go
1: according to plan. <laughs> Well, what was the plan, and then tell me how it actually turned out.
2: Yeah, so we uh, we purchased the laundromat uh, all cash. It was a fixer upper. We call those a zombie mat here in the industry. And uh, with the uh, with the goal and the idea of basically remodeling the whole place and putting all new machines in. So worked with a broker. So like I said, I was trying to find information all over. There really wasn't a whole lot out there at the time. Um, so I mostly relied on the broker to help mm-hmm. help me. And it turns out, you know, the broker that I fell in with was, did not necessarily have my best interest in mind. Of course. Uh, which was, you know, lesson number one. <laughs> Don't rely yeah. on somebody whose income depends on you buying the deal. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so... We bought this fixer upper, um, just to give you a little insight of what I was walking into my first day, I go in there and there is a late, this is in East LA. It's a pretty rough neighborhood. Uh, there's a lady completely naked washing all of her clothes in there. And that was my welcome business. I was like, what did I get myself into? Like what is happening? Um, yeah, so I mean that was the idea, and so we, I mean, we executed on that idea. We we bought it all cash. We took over. Uh, I started. I I mentioned I was a big DIYer, so yeah. Uh, we bought new equipment and had those installed, and then I DIYed renovations mostly. I it was all this like wood paneling on the walls and mm-hmm. all mismatch was super dark. It was dirty. Um, so. I took off the wood paneling and then there was like super old wallpaper like from the 60s and 70s under the that. So I had to scrape all that off and then paint and took took a little while, but got it done and new flooring and all that. Um and you know the pro forma the the broker gave us had us just rolling in the dough, man. Of course. All I had to do was collect quarters. Mm-hmm uh and you know i think it was like i don't remember exactly it was almost a decade ago now but i think he was saying it'll do like 5 or 6000 a month um and i was like sweet cuz we really you know haven't put that much money into it Yeah, to be making that much that's that's awesome um and to be fair business did basically double uh from when we bought it um but that got us nowhere near not even break even From where it was, and a big part of the reason for that, one one of the lessons that I learned was it's much easier to rehab a laundromat or whatever than to rehab the reputation of the laundromat. And I was not very proactive on the rehabbing the reputation, Mm -hmm. Um, and so despite the fact that we have all new equipment, everything's working, you know, everything looks good, it's clean, and
1: everything, it just people.
2: People if still remember they, Karen
1: and their yeah. being naked, washing their clothes. Yeah. So <laughs> if they ever thought about it, they thought about
2: that. What well, was also the other thing was, and this was, this was like kick you when you're down kind of thing, is that the laundromat was actually, the, the previous owner was rarely there and it sort of became gang turf. And mm-hmm. so I was literally, literally fighting gangs, uh, and gang members to, basically reclaimed the laundromat and i i literally got in physical altercations i put four people in the hospital uh through physical like it was and and i'm here i am with like young kids and i'm like yeah this is not all it takes is like you get hit one time you fall and you hit your head on a folding table and like that could be it right like and so it was rough so not only are we losing money i'm like literally fighting people like it i it was horrible man <laughs> it was so bad so bad Jeez,
1: yeah how long did you own that
2: uh i think nine years just nine sold years. it recently that one okay yeah eight eight yeah. or nine somewhere in how the long
1: day. did it take to get to a point where it was like not losing money
2: couple two two and a half years something like that
1: oh, okay yeah. yeah, that sucks. That's, those are always rough. Did you buy another one in between there? Or was that the only yeah. one you had until it started making money? No,
2: I bought another one. I, no. you know, I'm, How did that one go? Glutton for punishment. Uh, <laughs> well, that was an interesting one because it was an off-market deal. And a different broker brought this to me. So what I found is once you've gotten in this, in this industry, once you've gotten in this business, a yeah. lot of doors open up to you. So a lot of like financing options. There's a lot of like 100% financing on equipment, stuff like that um, that you can get, which is, you know, really nice. Let the business pay for itself, uh, kind of thing. Uh, but also deals sort of come your way a little more often once you get in. And so got this off market deal, uh, brought in, it was a seller finance deal and it was with the laundromat with the real estate, which is not super common to come across in LA. And this is in, uh, South central LA. So we're sticking with our rough area theme uh, over here. And, uh, I was like, okay, listen, I've paid a lot of money and a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, all literal, <laughs> um, to learn these hard lessons with this first laundromat. I, I'm not going to make those mistakes again. And yep. I didn't. However, you know, it turns out that I had yet to learn all of the lessons I needed. Of to course. Learn. Um, so what happened with this one was it was a, uh it was a, a lady who owned it and her and her husband were divorced, but they were still both on title uh, for the real estate. And so our escrow period was like, I think it was like five months, something like that. And so we did all the due diligence on the front end of this five months. And then that's when we sort of uncovered like, Oh, we've got to get this other stuff all untangled and and get it all sorted. And so it ended up dragging on for another few months. Right. And so what I didn't do was I didn't keep doing the due diligence. Right. And specifically what I didn't do was I didn't keep making sure there were no new laundromats coming in. So essentially a new brand new, bigger, nicer laundromat came in like a half a mile away and it opened up the day that I took over uh, is when it opened up. So we took an immediate like 40% hit on our income the day we took over, uh, which was just brutal. And we had no, like, even if we had known two months earlier I could have at least made preparations right. They were running promotions. Mm -hmm. They were giving away free drives and they were, you know, all the stuff. And I was just taken over. Like I didn't,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: I had no idea. Right. And so, uh, you know, and some of that business did come back. Um, what made this one, I mean, it felt like a punch in the gut again. I was like, are you serious? Like we're still in the hole at this point. We're still losing money every month at this point. And the other one, and, uh, uh, But the thing that made it a little more palatable is that it came with the real estate. We bought it under under value. Uh, And so we had equity in the real estate. So that did help um, with that, but it still was, you know, it was rough, man.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's painful. Yeah. I I tell people, you know, with with my first deal, I had a, I mean, a very rough go with my first um, apartment building was 62 unit apartment and, um, I ran through terrible contractors, um, uh, leaving things like walking out on the property halfway done, yeah. a bunch of stuff, not the code, uh, almost all of our tenants walking out without, um, without paying, like they just gave up on paying completely ruined our business plan. We had to use a bunch of the rehab money to actually keep paying bills as opposed to actually oh, yeah. to re- like, it was just, it was yeah. an absolute mess. Um, but I told people I'm lucky that I bought another deal before it got really bad because i may not have ever wanted to go back into real estate again but it was one of those that if you you know to your point like you you learn enough from it and you're gonna you're like okay well i learned all this stuff i'm not doing those mistakes again i'm probably yeah. gonna make some more mistakes but they're not going to be those mistakes again right um, which to me is an immediate like when i'm coaching people it's an immediate like that's not a failure right like you learn oh, from yeah. it. you're moving on like. It, it's only a failure if you give up and you're like, oh well, I'm done. Like it, it, it completely wipes. Well, no, it's nothing. Completely wipes you out. The only thing that completely wipes you out is yourself. So, move forward, make it happen, and and we get to the next one. No big deal. Um, we're all going to fail. We're all going to have a hard time, but you know it doesn't mean we're a failure. So,
2: yeah, but, but. I was definitely feeling like a failure. I'll be honest. Oh, like of course, that. Yep. I was definitely feeling. So was I. The, <laughs> yeah, in the in the moment, and you know, I mean, I think that that I I and and I hadn't really like. Probably heard of and definitely hadn't embraced that there's no failure. There's, there's just learning and growing. And you have to, I just saw a post. I don't even remember who posted. I just saw it this morning. It was basically like, Hey, you know, like frivolous lawsuits, you know, issues, like all these things that they're just, this, this is what comes with success. So you just, you just deal with these issues. And one thing that I did find, which is kind of interesting is that. The weight of all, like all of these, like mounting bills and all of the stuff, like I was missing payments because I just didn't have any money to, you know, pay bills and stuff. Sometimes, and so the just all the weight of that put a lot of our other problems into perspective for yeah. me, and I'm like, you know what, that problem that used to like mega stress me out. I don't even think about that. That's not even a real problem anymore, right? And so, you know, one of the things I learned is the more experience you have, the greater your capacity to deal with problems. Um, and I think that that is a key to success, right? Is being yeah. able to deal with... I, I think, you know, uh, you hear a lot of people saying, hey, you've got you've to be the person who can have the success, right? You don't just... If somebody just hands you success, you're not going to be equipped to handle success. Well, I think a big part of what they mean by that is bigger problems come with higher levels of whatever success means, yeah. you know, to you. Bigger problems come with that and you have to have the ability to deal with those uh, problems and until you've dealt with you know, smaller problems and built up your your almost tolerant and your ability to handle those problems, you're not going to be able to handle the problems that come with success uh so in that sense i'm grateful for it but in the moment you know and some of those problems just linger on forever right and there's just implications that go years and uh you know you just deal with them like you said keep going
1: yeah so as you're going through those i mean you you have to deal with them you know you know they're they're like if you're if you're an ostrich uh, stuffing your head in the sand i mean it's not no. that's not going to help you make it worse. Uh, how, yeah. yeah oh, no joke. Way worse. Um, yeah. How did you, how did the family take it? How did your wife take it? Like what, you know, you said your kids were still pretty young at that time. So it's not like it was, you know, uh, but I, I, I mean, I, I would have a feeling I still sense there was some stress in dad and mom at that point. So how'd that yeah. all go with the family? Like,
2: uh, not great to be honest with you. <laughs> like yeah. I was spending all this time, like trying to like figure out how to, Turn these laundromats around to stop the bleeding. Get gang members out. Like it's crazy stuff would happen. I just want to just preface this by saying, my experience was not typical. Uh, yeah. Of so, if anybody's thinking about like buying a laundromat and is like getting scared about it right now, number one, my experience is not typical. Number two, like laundromat resource and my consulting, like all of that stuff exists. So that other people don't have to go through this stuff, yeah. right? And that's why, like the podcast is there. I'm talking with other owners who are having lots of success uh, in this business. So I just want to preface all of this by saying that, because I don't want to freak anybody out. Um, but honestly, like crazy stuff was happening at the laundromat. Um, you know, I, I've two, two different times I found guns at the laundromat. One time, I was parked, and all of a sudden, all these cop cars came. From everywhere. And somebody had, like, it was a high speed chase that ended in the parking lot of this laundromat. And they ran and they finally apprehended the person in the parking lot. There were all these cop cars in the parking lot, and my car was boxed in. And I was like, hey, like, am I able to get out of here? And they're like, yeah, we'll back up a car and then you can kind of weasel your way out. Right. And so I was, we- I was back in my car and I was pulling out of the parking lot. I was just about to pull out of the parking lot. And all these police officers came and like descended upon my car with guns <laughs> drawn. And I'm like, whoa, 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 like what's happening? Like, I own the laundromat here. I'm not like anything. But what yeah. had happened was the guy that they were chasing threw his gun underneath my car. And so when I backed out, they found his gun under my car and they wanted to make sure it wasn't my gun, yeah. um, you know, and all that. And I was like, whoa, like this just like crazy stuff is happening. So, To tie this back to your question is I'm like kind of like a verbal processor, right? And so Uh I would talk to my wife, like, man, I'm super stressed. I don't know how we're gonna pay the water bill this or you know, like this crazy thing happened at the laundry. And my wife could not handle that stuff. And I finally wised up and realized I can't talk to her about this stuff. Yeah. At all. But what happened was, you know, already, you know, financial stress puts stress on relationships. And so that stress was there. But then what happened was my entire life was consumed by these laundromats and trying to figure out how to turn them around, stop the bleeding, you know, deal with all of the issues I was dealing with in this, you know, in this community here uh, that the laundromat was in. And I couldn't talk to my wife about any of that. And it kind of turned in like we didn't talk about anything for a long time because I was just so overwhelmed and I had nothing else to talk about because my whole life was consumed by this when I was in the thick of it. Right. And so it put a lot of stress on our relationship. Um, And, you know, we went to counseling, uh, you know, to kind of work through some of that stuff and it helped a little bit. Um, but really. It was just rough until we kind of dug our way out of it. Yeah. Um, it did help that I had a couple other buddies who were entrepreneurs who had seen some stuff too, and who either were struggling or had struggled through stuff that could kind of relate, and I could, you know, at least vent some of that stuff out, and and not to my wife. Um, but honestly, man, it was it was rough on us. Um, you know, I, I don't think we were ever in danger of like getting a divorce or anything like that, but it was, it was not good for
1: a while there. Yeah. I could totally, I could totally see that. And I, and I don't know if it's true or not, but I could almost like looking at my wife, I, I make jokes to her cause it's her fault that I do real estate. Right. And I said, right. look, honey, it's your fault. Right. Yeah. That I do this real estate stuff. Oh, yeah. um, I do it. Um, I've, I've only done it when things were good. I've made those jokes. But I can only imagine if things were terrible, and I'm telling her all these things, how she would still hear those same words. It's my fault that yeah. he's doing this. It's my fault we're going through yeah. this. I don't know. Do you, do you feel like that was was more stress on her shoulders that so she's the one who told you to do a laundromat?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think she feels a lot of guilt and regret about that. I think if she-
1: Still currently I, or we, just then? we
2: Yeah. I mean, I think we responded very different, almost op- polar opposite to our- our struggles. Um, for mm-hmm. me, I was like, I'm going to figure this out. I am consuming everything I can possibly consume from anyone and everyone that might help me figure this out, right? Podcasts, books, audiobooks, all like everything I could consume. I'd talk to anybody that would talk to me, which was not very many people. Um, but uh, her, on the other hand, she just turtled up, went into a shell, and just like, yeah. I'm going to pretend like it doesn't exist right and i think even to this day because because we like relationally went through such a hard period of time probably for like a year year and a half rough um i think if she could go back she, we w- she would not do she would not buy a laundromat yeah. again um me on the other hand i am like i wouldn't buy that laundromat again <laughs> um but i you know i think that at least not the way that I did it, right? And yeah. and I would know going into it more of what to expect. Um and be able to align our expectations. I think you know, I think for her a big part of it was our expectations were way over here mm-hmm. and the reality was way over here and just the disparity between the two was just too much for her to handle. Uh and so yeah, I think she if if we were to go back, she wouldn't do it again. For me though, I'm like, look, I'm able to help a lot of people now. Like mm-hmm. I've, I was on a call yesterday. I'm like, dude, we have got to get on a call. It's free for you. Like, And this guy owns a laundromat. He bought it. It was brand new when he bought it five months ago. He's losing 15 grand a month right now. <sighs> and he needs to get to gross of 20,000 a month. And he's at like five to 6,000 a month. So he's not even close. Yeah. And I'm like, look, we need to... I know exactly what you're going through. I know exactly how you're feeling. And I know exactly the things I didn't do that you need to do. Um, so let's get you going. And like, I'm like, dude, for me, that's worth like so much to be able to help somebody in that scenario and connect people with, you know, with each other to help each other grow their businesses or to get in the business the right way. Like, I just, I see we went through it. It was not fun. I would not choose to go through it again if mm-hmm. I had the option. But because we've gone through it, it, it opens a lot of doors for me to be able to help a lot of people. And for me, that makes it worth it
1: in my book. So, do, and, you're, and you're, we're still together. So that, that yes. helps too. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I do want to come back to that. I've got an asterisk for that. Yeah. But the, um, uh, so still to this day, with the, now, how many laundromats do you own now?
2: Uh, back down to one actually now. Okay.
1: Yeah. Uh yeah, I did the same thing with all of my real estate. I'm back I'm like, I shrunk down quite a bit. Yeah. But um, um so even today now that all of that is behind you by, you know, 8 years and everything does she still struggle with the thoughts about it and how have you had conversations with her to try to help her not struggle with the fact that you still are doing this?
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, I I do think that she still struggles uh with it um not not nearly to the same level um i think she would she would hesitate if i mean i think we'll probably end up owning more laundromats um mm-hmm. but i think that the way so i have a, a you know a small investment fund with laundromats and i think that we'll own through that investment fund yeah um and i've got a couple partners one's the operations partner he's killer uh, operations so you know, I think that that's the way that we'll own it. But I think that she will hesitate <laughs> again, yeah. just because her experience was not good. Like that was yeah. just—it was she doesn't want to do that ever again. Nor do I, really. Right. And so, so, how would you have
1: adjusted your language behind it then to help it to be, or or actions or whatever to help it help ease her concerns back then? Uh, oh,
2: back. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that there. I don't know if there was any ease in those concerns back then yeah honestly like and I mean look i I did not i was I was going through it too, right, so I probably was yeah. not helping the, the situation because I was just verbally vomiting my stress right and or or even when I stopped doing that, it was just I was a different person, like I was yeah. just so heavy and I was quiet because i didn't have anything to talk about because I was just thinking nonstop about this laundromat uh, for a while there. So I don't know that at that time I could have, because I was deep in the middle of it too. Um, However, like the conversations now are uh, have, have to do with number one, it's like, okay, we've gone through it and we look back at it and you know, like life was hard, but you know, we own a house that's worth over a million dollars right now. And we, you know, we go to Disneyland once a week, it's 15 minutes from our house. We go to Disneyland once a week for a few hours after school. We go to the beach once a week, uh, cause we live not that far from the beach. And, you know, we've gone on vacations to Hawaii, uh, this past summer we went with our kids. We went for two months in Europe and traveled around Europe. And it was, life-changing epic experience uh to do that especially with our kids and we learned a lot about ourselves and our family and our kids and bonded a lot and you know so like looking back at it it's like man we went through so many hard times and life felt so overwhelming but life was still so good you know what i mean like if we could if we could you know just in the midst of the difficulty you know and, and you hear a lot about this like write the things you're grateful for and like try to be grateful for stuff every day. And, uh, and you know, I, I was doing that. I was trying to write down things I was grateful for, but in the moment I didn't realize like, yeah, life sucks on one hand, but on the other hand, life's so good, you know? And it's, there's even, even though it was so hard, like we still were so blessed, you know, and we still were able to, do things that a lot of people don't get to do and how it all worked out. I'm not entirely sure to be honest. Um, but uh, you know, part of it is my wife went back to, to work as a teacher to mm-hmm. kind of help float things. Um, and uh, so, but you know, it's like, that's a lot of our conversation now. And now that we've had this trip to Europe, not to jump too far ahead, but our conversation is more around like, I think it opened my wife's eyes to life doesn't, have to be like what it has been and what mm-hmm. everybody else does like you can you can make a life that's different from what most people do and you can still do that like right you can design your own life essentially yeah. and and that trip really impacted that and so our conversations more recently have been around like okay what do we want life to look like and let's let's build that life you know let's yeah. let's do that so uh that doesn't really answer your question about how i could talk differently um but i think going forward when because it's not going to be an if it's going to be a win we go through difficult times again you know business or whatever you know i think maintaining that focus on where is life good and just Mm -hmm. you know it's that whole you know you say you know a yellow car and then you see yellow cars everywhere thing, right like what Particular you're looking for, yep. yeah. What you're looking for, you're going to find, right? So be be on the lookout for where life is awesome. And mm-hmm. um, another little motto we adopted on that trip is, uh, "Do hard things for cool things," right? And I think that that yes. just applies in business. It applies, you know, when we're like, "Oh gosh, we got to go on this hike," and my kids are whining, and I'm, I'm like, mm-hmm. "Look." We're going to get to this sick waterfall where we can go swimming and jumping off cliffs uh, yeah. when we get to the end of this thing. So let's do some hard things to do some cool things. Right. And, uh, you know, going through those hard times, sometimes you got to go through those hard times to get to the cool times. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I'm just I'm so, spewing a lot of stuff out right now. So I'll no, pause find you. Think, no, I, <laughs>
1: I think part of what I heard there was, you know, you guys are now starting to, it sounds like, have a combined why behind what you're doing and building that out where, um, perhaps what, what could have happened at the beginning. And I wish I would have done a better job with this is I had a bunch of why up here and things I was striving for up here, but I didn't really relate that well to my wife when we were first starting off. Like she's the reason legitimately that I'm involved in real estate. She's the reason I have even a savings account, let alone, um, invest in (laughs) real estate. Right. So, excuse me. I think that uh, combining each other's thoughts and building a why together so that even when you're going through the hard times, hey, we're, yes, this does, this does suck, but we know where we're going. We know why we're going through these trials. It's so that we can have X, Y, and Z. It's so we can build a life that we want. It's so we could do these things. Um, You know, there was one conversation I had with my wife early on um, when we, you know, before we even bought our first building, I spent probably four years of educating myself trying to learn everything I could listening to all the podcasts reading all the books um I don't recommend anybody take that long I mean there's there's no need to take as long as I did uh there's a lot of stuff I could have done in those 4 years to to have made myself much more successful much earlier but um uh, uh like get a mentor right away or you know go into a coaching program right away or something like that but anyways um I did a lot of that and then I had a conversation with my wife one time and I said hey there's dear there's going to be a time where I'm going to come to you And I'm going to say, I'm sorry, dear, we lost $30,000. And her face was like, "Uh, huh, what? And I was like, wow, the, the, it is going to happen. We are going to lose money on deals some way, shape or form, but the education that gives us and the knowledge that gives us to be able to earn another 300,000 later on is where that 30,000 goes. So it's just our tuition for the education. Mm. Like it's bound to happen. Um, But you know, front-loading those conversations and you know i i don't you know you you'd mentioned that you were doing the education as you already owned it so there was no way to have those conversations beforehand because it's like oh, i'm just learning about all this stuff right now right so um, but man that is something i would recommend to everybody is is have those conversations with your spouse and say hey this like why is it that we actually want to do this why is it that we're building the business the way we are and have a consistent conversations on that not just a one time and then go like you know if if you're anything like like me and what it sounds like you you're going to put your head down you're going to make something work and you're going to keep going um and maybe maybe your spouse is ready to say hey i I think i think i'm good right where we're at i don't think we need to build anymore hey i think our kids really would like to have their dad back you know and it yeah i saw a lot of military guys we'd volunteer for deployments over and over and over again and then you know before you can know it you come back and your kids are crying because they don't know who the heck you are like why are you trying to carry me i don't know who you are um and it could happen the same thing in business but um so, so that's the piece that I would say for anybody listening is to make sure that you and your, you and your wife, you and your, uh, you and your spouse have a combined why as to what is, what you're doing and always be able to go back to that. Having those mottos that you're talking about that you can go back to and say, Hey, we're doing hard things so we can do cool things. And, and to go to your point in business, like you went through that hard thing that, that opened the door for you to now do these cool things like two month vacation in Europe. So I think it's awesome. I think that, that, that's having, uh, with the direction you're going now, let me flip that over on you. With the direction you're going now, do you think that she's going to start to be more excited about you wanting to more, buy more real estate or or laundromats, I should say? Or how how do you think that's feeling now after this two month vacation and the conversations you've had there?
2: Yeah. Well, it's interesting. So I I mean I love what I love what you just said, and I think it's that you know I I think having those conversations before you need to have the conversations oh, yeah. is key, yeah. right and my wife was and still is, but to a lesser degree since this last summer, uh, has been very resistant uh to even thinking about a why or because yeah. when you're when you're so overwhelmed with problems and issues and your experience is like, oh my gosh, like I don't I, I never want to go through that again. Like that's your mentality and your mindset. Like her mind could not even think of like how life could look different or how they could, you know, how we could design something different. Yep. Right. And our original plan for this trip that we did for two months was to go for a year, her to take a year leave from teaching. She's burnt out on that and is mm-hmm. not sure she wants to continue or not. She's Especially like we had thinking, a teacher in
1: California. Good. Luck. Yeah.
2: In California <laughs> and, and a, and a special needs teacher. Like there's just a yeah. special demand on her sure. energy and, and time there. So uh so our, our original idea was to go for a year and uh you know she just had a really hard time that was our plan and then a few months before she's like I don't think we can do a year and I was like okay let's let's go for a couple months and that mm-hmm. and actually that was a tough conversation for us too um but uh yeah she was just very resistant to that why and so it took it took something tangible Like this trip to be able to get her to even just open her eyes to the possibility that life could be different, right? And so, uh, you know, getting on getting on the same page. I I love I love that. uh, Going back to what you were saying, like I I think Mm -hmm. that that is key. And if you're not in a position where everything is falling apart right now on you, like that's the time to have those conversations. For those times when stuff st- does start to fall apart on you, uh, you've already had those conversations, and those can be the rocks that you continue to go back to say, "Okay, this is tough." What you know, it, it can help guide your path forward, right? Um, mm-hmm. Of okay, what do we do? This is the why. Are we still on on track for the why? Is it still matching up, or do we need to do something different? right is it time to just cut bait and cut our losses um or do we push through this is going to help us get to our why um yeah. so but now i forget your original question i was just commenting <laughs> on what you said
1: no no that's, <laughs> do, that's do you remember that's fine. that's fine uh well we were talking about the i think it all kind of started back to i don't think i actually asked you a question going back to like uh, what would what could you have done differently or how would you have done it differently um, yeah. to have to have changed that right and i think that it goes back to how do you uh had the 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 i don't know if wisdom is the right word but or even somebody to talk to a partner um to to have said totally. hey like <laughs> have this conversation before you do that that way you guys know and like figure out what your why is beforehand but um, yeah uh, i do want to ask you know you're you were obviously a, a pastor before um are you still like like a practicing christian going to church and yeah, all that. Yeah, still,
2: okay. still going to church, not doing that vocationally, and yeah. ac- actually not even at the moment volunteering. I've done some volunteer stuff through the church and stuff, uh, but at the moment, just kind of enjoying sitting in the back of church and taking it easy, which is, yeah. you know, a lot of times when you're in ministry, you're like, ah, those people who sit in the back of church and don't really do anything, and now I'm like, I kind of get it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I just yeah. needed some time to do that, so.
1: Yeah. yeah, Understandable. Um, So is your wife also a Christian? Yeah. Yeah. So how much, just to challenge you a little bit on that front, how much of this did you like put in the Lord's hands to be able to, to go through? How much did you guys, you know, pray about it together or, uh, you know, what is uh, your, yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Desperation mode, not just the businesses also, but you know, even actually just our relationship. I mean, it was, you know, for you know, like I said, like a year or something. There, it was, it was rough and, and patchy. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it's just like God. Like, what what can we do? Like, what's yeah. show us the way, or show us who can show us the way, or you know, however, however, we need to solve this. Like, yeah, help us. Like, we need, we need help. <laughs> yeah, just just let us know, you know. And I think you know, it's funny because sometimes the answer is just just wait, you know, and and that, that was sort of what it turned, turned out to be. And it's not, it's not a wait, like just sit around and twiddle your thumbs until things pass. It's a like, wait, you've got to keep working at it. You know, you've got some things to learn. You've got some things to go through. So just keep at it and it's not going to just go away for you right now. Yeah. And, but yeah, I mean, there was, there was a whole lot of that for sure. But there's also, you know, what's interesting is like and and anybody who either is going through something like that, uh, you know, with your business or even relationally, um, or or if you will, uh down the line, like I think there's a there was definitely like a shame that we felt mm-hmm. about, you know, especially with the laundromats and you know, the whole everybody succeeds with laundromats and we're over here struggling. And we got all the classic like you bought a laundromat, that's dumb, that's never going to work. Why would you do that? Of course. You know, I heard X, you know, XYZ about owning laundromats. My cousin's do it. uncle's
1: brother's sister yeah, um, totally. went bankrupt because of, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And,
2: you know, and we heard all that stuff and we did it anyway. So I'm super proud of us for doing that, actually, despite how it turned out
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, for, for a while there. Um, but that was like an extra layer of like the shame that we felt of number one, struggling in business and number two you know that causing us to struggle in our relationship right and i would just say anybody who's gone through that or who is going through that or if you end up going through that at some point uh like there's no shame in that right there is that is just part of the experience and in fact like uh, we've already sort of talked about this like you're going to go through that stuff and mm-hmm. you need to go through that stuff. And, you know, it's how we handle that that determines, you know, how that impacts our lives and who we are. Right. And I think a lot of businesses and a lot of marriages fail because, uh, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but I think one of the reasons is because we feel this shame and we feel like we can't share those failures, those feelings of failure, uh, they're not failures, but those feelings of failure um, and those struggles that we're going through, we feel like we can't share them uh, with anybody else because it's too shameful. And what ends up happening, I I used to tell this to high school kids all the time, like when you don't share that stuff and you don't let other people speak into that, what happens is you stay inside yourself. And when you mm-hmm. stay inside yourself, it becomes this downward spiral, right? Yeah. And that is where you fall apart, your business falls apart, your relationship falls apart. Um, you've got to find somebody that you can trust uh, that, you know, that can speak into that and can help you work through that stuff and can help you problem solve both tactically, like when it comes to business and relationship, but also. Just emotionally, because both of those things are are super emotionally charged, and you know I've found that when emotions super strong emotions get involved one way or another, you start making worse and worse decisions and yeah. uh, it's it's just this downward spiral, so like when those difficult times come, find somebody it can be you know it can be like a counselor or it can be a consultant or it can be a friend or it can be a friend of a friend, just somebody that you can trust, a third party that can speak into that business, that can speak into that relationship, <laughs> that can speak into your uh, your life, and they don't necessarily have to have answers for you, but just by allowing somebody else sort of into that, it it interrupts this like downward spiral that we can go. and when we live in our heads, things tend to go down when we get stuff. Out, and we allow other people into it. That's when healing happens. That's when growth happens. uh, And that's where you can sort of break that downward spiral and start to approach problems and issues uh, a, a little more effectively. I found. Yeah.
1: And one thing that I uh, to to go along with that, I completely agree because we talk about that a lot. The military side of the house too, right? When you're talking about folks that have had different combat stressors or you mm-hmm. know various things like that, just just having the conversations makes a big difference. Um, yeah. It makes a big difference in your emotional well being. Just being able to talk about it. Um, but one thing that I I tell people oftentimes, especially when they're coming to me for like you know marital type stuff, I'm like, well, you know, don't if you're having a hard time with your wife, if you're struggling with something with your wife don't go to another woman to talk about it because you're only opening a door up and don't go to your buddy. Who's in the middle of a bad time with his wife as well to go and talk about it because you need to go to somebody who has, has maybe been through that before, Mm -hmm. who's struggling with that or who has already gotten through some of those struggles. Um, Otherwise you end up going and you guys both start to, spiral down together because all you're doing is going, Oh yeah, well my wife does the same stupid crap as your wife does. We should be miserable together, you know, and then you guys just yeah. go and bounce bad ideas off of each other. Or right. now you're, you know, opening a door up to another woman, you know, that you're, you're telling this to, to, um, not that every woman's going to do that. Not that every man's going to do that, but you're just opening yourself up where you don't need to find somebody who is a very supportive, strong person, strong character, that has already done what you have done, uh, or that you're going through so that, that you can rely on them, you know, and it's, it's one of those things, just be wise with who you talk, talk to about it, uh, but definitely talk to people about it. Um, you know, on the combat side of the house, right. If you're talking to somebody who's still, you know, having a hard time, they're drinking through everything and blah blah, blah like you're going to end up drinking through all the stuff with them too. And it's not going to be a good, like you guys are both going to spiral down together. Well, talk to someone who's been through it and has already figured out Parts of the ways to get through it. There's never a you know we fully fixed this, fully healed it, and I've never think about this again. It's not going to happen. But Dag, baby you can do a lot better than than where where you're at going through that that echo chamber that we can put ourselves through. So
2: yeah, um, it's a it's a I, I love that. I think that's perfect, and it's a little bit different context, uh, but similar along the same lines of the the saying you're the average of the five people you spend the most yeah. time with, right? Like you, yeah. you want good people speaking into your life yes. and they don't have to be one of your five people. But when you surround yourself with negative voices, negative influences uh, or temptations, I guess uh, yeah. the, you know, those things are, are going to put you down, push you down. They're not going to lift you up. Right. So yeah. find those, you know, quality people that can speak into your life uh, and bring your level up you know, especially when you're feeling down, right. You need, you need those positive voices, those, uh, that wisdom, uh, you know, to be speaking into your life. So I love that.
1: Yeah. Much agreed on that. Um, so since you have, um, this, this wisdom, talk us through like the, uh, that year and a half, those, those strong struggles. What was it like? How did the conversations go as much as you're obviously comfortable going through, like what, you know, you mentioned going through counseling together and like, what was it that you think, um, Got you kind of through that uh, to the point where you are now, and then where do you think that you you could have done better through that year and a half?
2: Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think early on the emotions were just high, right, and so mm-hmm. conversations just spiraled quickly. Uh, it would be, you know, uh, either one of us getting fired up or one of us shutting down. Those are the <laughs> those were sort of the options until sort of both of us just shut down. At, at one point and we just were not communicating very well and and I think one of the strengths of our relationship is that we're actually really good communicators especially during difficult times I think a lot of that has to do with us going through the difficult times and having to yeah. figure out how to communicate uh, during those difficult times um Thankfully I've got a lot of uh you know, I've got a lot of flaws and I'm a bonehead in a lot of ways, but I'm not like a an explosively angry person and mm-hmm. neither is my wife, generally speaking. So uh so we didn't have that to to work through and to deal with. Um but uh, you know, I mean, again, like emotions were high. There's a lot of stress in the situation, right? And so, um, I mean, I think one of the things, you know, obviously one of the things that we learned is, you know. Find somebody trusted, you know, who we can help us. Was that your counselor, or
1: did you have other people too? Uh,
2: I mean, I think the counselor sort of kicked us off. I wouldn't say we had a super great counselor. I mean, hmm. he was great. Uh, he was a good person and all that. I don't think it was uh, super effective, but what it did do was just open some lines of communication uh, with us a little bit and forced us to. To interact, and when you're talking in front of people, you know, look, look, just face it. Like you, you don't, you want to put on the best front possible, right? And so emotions stay a little bit lower. Not always the case, but um, they did for us, and and so we were able to just open those lines of community, get the foot in the door, right? Like just crack it a little bit, Um, and then we, you know, what turned out like. We ended up because of it was like, I'm dealing with all this stuff. And she's like, I can't handle any of this. Don't talk to me about any of it. If you can at all Mm -hmm. avoid it, you know, a couple of things that I think helped that is number one, just developing empathy, you know, and I think empathy gets this like bad rap, but I actually think it's a superpower to be honest. And Mm -hmm. if you can be an empathetic person. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of times it gets associated with like a feminine trait, Um, but actually I think it's like a, like I said, I think it's a superpower. I think it's a huge strength Uh, because if you can empathize with somebody and sort of understand how they're feeling and make them feel like you understand them to an extent, uh, that really opens a lot of doors uh, for communication and to strengthen the relationship, right? So. You know, part of it was just developing this empathy for my wife and like the feelings that she had about, you know, the situation that we were going through and the stress she was feeling, and her developing empathy for me and like realizing some of the things that I was going to this day. She doesn't know all of the stories (laughs) uh, because she just doesn't want to hear them. But realizing, like, okay, like you're going through a lot. Uh, both on the financial side with the businesses, but also just with some of the stuff that happens uh, in that laundromat for whatever reason, Um, developing that empathy, but then also empathizing with the fact that, you know, on my side, like she needs to be shielded from this stuff. Like she cannot deal with it and just not capable right now to deal with it. So I need to stop, you know, Communicating that and empathize with her on that, but also, you know, find ways to hear the things that she is thinking about and going through. And for a while, I couldn't. Like, I, she would express frustrations about the finances or whatever. And I would just be like, I don't know what you want me to do. Like, I don't have any more money. Yeah. There's, you know, and like that was like, that's like a conversation killer, right? That's a, yeah, right. And so empathizing with like, I've got to find ways to allow her to express herself and her feelings um and uh and then her sort of empathizing with me like i'm just i need to process stuff verbally and for me i'm trying to shield her from that but her when i do when it does come out like her you know developing this empathy for me and just like okay he just needs to get this out and you know and trying for her i think what she was doing was trying to put up a partition between her feelings and the things yeah. that I was saying when it did leak out of me. And so anyways, I think empathy is like the superpower. I'm a huge fan of that. I think that we should be proactively developing empathy. And I think that if, and when we do that, it will benefit all areas of our lives, sure. uh, relationally. So I think that's a big, big key
1: there. No, I, I, I whole, whole, wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, and, and i don't you know i do think to your point it does maybe get a, a slight bad rap especially amongst men like mm-hmm. but if you really want to grow relationships and build relationships you have to understand where the other person is coming from even if like let's look at it strictly as business stuff like mm-hmm. if you want to be able to raise capital from people you have to know the reason why they're wanting to invest in things and understand where they're coming from and mm-hmm. part of that is empathy right like i'm not saying to to use it um uh use it and abuse it but like the you have to understand where people are coming from to be able yeah. to really connect with them and be able to grow through things and um, you know, word things properly and and everything. Like I mean, like empathy makes yeah. a huge difference.
2: Even even to design your fund or your syndication in a way that's yeah. going to meet the needs of them, right? Yeah. Like you've got to understand what their needs are and what their wants are and their desires are to be able to structure your fund or your your syndication in order to meet those, right? Like Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean I just think it, it benefits every relationship in life. Yeah. To be honest.
1: For sure. Yeah. Um, how did your how did your kids, if anything, deal with the the stresses that were happening there or or were they, you know, blissfully ignorant being, you know, only a few years old?
2: No, so I mean, this this was going on. They were they were at an age, you know, where they could see some of that stuff yeah. like four or six years old, you know, where they, you know on the one hand we you know, we tried to shield them from a lot of that, you know, obviously they are young kids, but on the other hand, uh, like they, they saw some of it too. And we, we have, even now, like we have very frank conversations about, uh, like what we're going through, you know, age appropriate, uh, conversations. Mm-hmm. So even when they're, you know, six years old and, you know, I would talk to them about like, Hey, you know, somebody came to our laundromat and, you know. Broke into the coin boxes and stole money from us, and they would have questions like, "Well, why would somebody do that?" Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Well, yeah, that's a great question. Why would somebody do that?" But you know, having those conversations, going back to the empathy thing, right? Like, you know, sometimes people are, you know, struggling with with things, um, and the way that they deal with that is, you know, they do things to hurt other people to either try to make them. Their situation better or to make themselves feel better. And it's not a, you know, it's not, it's not an effective way of making yourself mm-hmm. feel better or improving your situation. But sometimes people just don't know a better way and they don't know a different way to do it and they get desperate. Right. And, you know, my son, uh, one like the saddest story ever, like our, our situation was not great, but our son, uh, was very excited to, I was like, We've since they were since they were little and I was learning all this stuff about investing. I didn't know anything about real estate investing or anything till all of this, right? And uh so as I was learning it, I was like talking about it with my kids, right? And they're young. And my son, super sharp kid, uh, just started a radio station for our platform on his own. Like just I'm like, dude, this kid is like he's doing cool stuff. I don't awesome. do any of this stuff. But anyways, uh he was like, so I was talking to him about like you know you invest in you know assets essentially, and those can make money for you and so we were doing like simple math on that stuff. He's like, "I want to do that, and I was like, we well, could we have a laundromat like if you want to save your money and buy a gumball machine, we can put it in
0: mm-hmm. you know
2: in there and so he did he saved up like eighty dollars as like a six year old he would do chores, he was selling things around the neighborhood, all kinds of stuff bought a gumball machine. One of my buddies had a, a business and he sold him one for uh, a little bit cheaper. Another buddy made like metal furniture. So he made him this metal stand for the, uh, the gumball machine. Super cool. Uh, we bolted it into the concrete. We did a little mm-hmm. ceremony for him. There's a picture That's still awesome. to this day of me, like shaking his hand. I made a sign for him. His name's Noah. Cause Noah's gumball land. And we hung that up next to it. Well, that night some dude came on uh, into the laundromat, just raging off of something. I don't know what was going on with him. And he came and he just physically ripped that gumball machine Jeez. out of the concrete and walked off with it. I've never seen the guy before, and I've never seen him since. And it's a good thing, probably for him and for me, uh, uh-huh. that I haven't uh-huh. seen him since. Uh, but didn't even last a single day. And so he got his first business lesson the next day when we drove over there, and I saw. Before I got him out of the car, I saw that it was missing. And so we had to have that conversation about.
1: And all the guy got was, was a quarter that? and some gumballs. Like he was yeah. expecting to get a, p- a bunch of money in that thing, too. And yeah, no, there was nothing. Yeah.
2: Nearly no money in there because I just How'd put your son it in, take that. So. It was rough, man. It, yeah. I mean, he, he took it like a champ. I mean, he did, but it was rough. He like did not understand. And I honestly, I didn't really understand either. Yeah. <laughs> like, wh- yeah. why? Uh, somebody would do that. Um, but, uh, but so he, you know, a, a year or two later, he saved up some more money, bought a new gumball machine. We put it in, we did it, you know, even, even sturdier than before. And somebody came in and yeah. bashed it up like two days later. Jeez. And so we threw in the towel on the gumball, uh, machine, yeah, no but, kidding. uh, it was a great conversation, right? It's like, man, this is like very similar to how, you know, it, it's gone for us with these laundromats. Right. And I was like, okay, so here's what we need to do is we need to think about what did we learn here and, and how can we do things differently? Right. Mm -hmm. From, from this, what do we need to do different either to make this gumball thing work, or if we need to pivot off something else, right? Like, what do we need to do uh, differently? And so we were able to have these cool conversations about that. Um, because of that experience, but it's still such a huge bummer that he didn't yeah. get to realize the you know the the thrill you get when you buy an investment and it makes money for you while you're mm-hmm. not there right like he didn't he didn't
1: get yeah. to experience that yet, so bummer. Well, I think he's got another year or two ahead of him that he'll be able to, he's, to, he's, to figure that out. You know? He's got some time, so, and
2: he's a sharp
1: yeah. kid. Uh, if he doesn't get burned out on the rate that you guys are going I, right I now know. with the gumball machines, right? So, <laughs> I
2: know. I know.
1: Man, that's rough. Um, so have, besides the gumball machines on his side, what other things, um, if any of you kind of um, either included him in on as far as the business talks or um, in, in anything with the business?
2: Yeah. I mean, all, all of the stuff, like they have, they've grown up now basically going to the laundromats with me. They've seen like one of our laundromats. We have like a little convenience store in it. So they've come with me to go get stuff for that convenience store and to stock it. We've talked about, you know, how, how to price stuff. I mean, we've talked all that stuff. One of my favorite stories of uh, Noah is I think his third grade teacher or four, third or fourth grade teacher, one of the conferences we were at uh, was like, uh, so Noah for like 20 minutes uh, explained taxes to me and got into like depreciation. Like she's like, I, I learned things uh, from him, right? And he's in, like third or fourth grade or whatever. So, I mean, we've gone through all that stuff uh, and, and talked about that stuff. We talked about why we own the laundromat because they're like, dad why are you i one christmas eve i had to go um somebody had shoved a a potato in the toilet Mm -hmm. at one of the laundromats i mean that's a very logical thing to do i was like i'm not yeah i have no i don't know dude uh and i'm like i'm not going out christmas eve so i called a plumber you know super expensive because it's christmas eve i'm like hey there's something lodged in the toilet uh we're not sure what it is and so the plumber came out and called me back and was like, yeah, there's something solid in there. So I, I can't get it out and just left. And I'm like, oh, dude. So I had to go out Christmas Eve. I had to go out to South Central LA to take a toilet out and dig this potato out of the toilet uh, and, and then reinstall the toilet. Right. And so my kids are always like, why are we dealing with these problems right and yeah. and i'm like i don't know why we're dealing with these problems
1: <laughs> but uh you know but we're able it's to so have that conversations. You can go to disneyland once a week and you can yeah, go to the right. beach once a week and we can go spend two months in uh, europe that's, yeah. 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 that's why we're dealing with these problems yeah
2: and having these conversations about like look there's problems come up like when you own a yeah. business or if you don't own a business and you just have a job or if you don't have a job like you're there's problems in life no matter what right yeah and so you know having these conversations with the kids like you know. We can choose, a lot of people don't realize this, but we can choose to some extent what kinds of problems we want to deal with Very much in so. order to have the kind of life that we want to have. And so, yeah, this is a huge pain and I would never choose to go dig a potato out of a toilet on any day, <laughs> let alone Christmas Eve. Um, but, you know, there's problems no matter what you do in life. Yeah. And so, if we got to deal with problems, let's deal with problems that are... Going to improve our lives and help us live the lives that we want to live, right? So we've had, you know, conversations about that. You know, we've talked about, uh, even, even like, uh, we've had, it surprises me. And, and this is something for everybody, right? Like kids can comprehend things that I think most people don't think that they can yeah. comprehend. For sure, like, like the taxes thing, right, and like what's depreciation, and we've talked about uh we've talked about cost segregation, and then my kids yeah. are like you know 8, eight nine, 10 years old, twelve years old right and and they get that stuff, and we've talked about like cryptocurrency and what is it, why does it exist, and what's going on with it, and you know why does it go up and down so much all that like and they just they understand so much, um however, one. Thing that uh, I really preach on, for lack of a better word, to my kids is that uh, you know learning about this stuff is one thing, right? And I have, I'm, I'm, I mean, you actually mentioned this too. Like, I'm, I'm guilty of this. You mentioned that you're actually guilty of this too for a little while, where we get in this cycle where we. Learn stuff like we're just consuming, 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 and I I love that actually, and I ride those highs when I'm like super into something. I'm like I just lean into it, right? However, learning stuff does not change your life. Uh, yeah. That does not help you accomplish any goals. That does not make your life better. It's taking action on the things that you learn. Yes. Um, and so I harp on that a lot. And one of the I guess mottos uh, that we have here is that. You cannot be just a consumer. You also have to contribute and create, right? Yeah. And so we don't let our kids sit around and watch YouTube videos all day, every day. Um, and in fact, they get to do that as long as they're also contributing and you know being creative, right? And so for my daughter, that looks like she's got a YouTube channel that she does. She's posted like she does the whole, the whole thing. Um, and she's posted like over 400 videos on her nice. channel and she just does little shorts you know, every now and then. And she's got like 175 subscribers and, you know, nice. it's loving and life and is trying to get to, you know, monetization and, uh, but she's contributing, right? Like, and so we're okay with, you know, okay. It's okay if you watch YouTube videos and stuff or whatever, uh, as long as you're also contributing, don't get sucked into just being a consumer, right? Yeah. My son. know he's he's tried a a bunch of different stuff. He had a website that he I taught him how to build a website, and he was running his website. And then he's kind of over it. Then he started a YouTube channel, and he's sort of in it, sort of out of it. And I'm like, look, you got to be doing something. So I don't. It doesn't matter to me what it is. You got to be doing something, right? And so Mm -hmm. right now, he just I mentioned he created a radio station. He's running a radio an online radio station right now. So that's really cool. Um, you know, making sure that they're contributing and and being creative and creating things uh for other people also
1: so how does how does your son manage the online uh radio station what what is that what kind of what did that look like building that out
2: yeah it's really funny so i there's a there's a website called AppSumo, and i always just kind of browse over there to see if there's they usually have pretty big discounts on different tools and resources um and i've utilized some of those for for my business and i saw this one uh it's called radio lies i think and it was uh i think it's probably still up there um and it was like it's a one-time fee it's not a lifetime subscription it's a one-time fee and i was like sitting on the couch and i saw it and i looked at my son and i'm like he he's not somebody my daughter loves attention on herself youtube channel is perfect for her he is not like that he doesn't want to be in the spotlight or anything like that and i was like hey um and we've been trying to just to kind of back it up just for a second. <clears throat> we've been trying to uh, figure out what a good fit for them is to help me with my online business, mm-hmm. my laundromat resource platform, um, so that we can pay them you know there's you can pay up oh, to yeah. it's like twelve thousand whatever whatever it is um, before they have to pay any taxes and then you can throw that money in a roth ira so we've talked to them about that and and shown them like, hey, this is a this is almost guaranteeing you to be a millionaire if we do this and you don't touch it right and so uh, they're very excited about that but i'm like look i'm not going to just give you a thousand dollars for nothing like you have to actually do something that's going to help this business right and so i saw this you know radialize app and i looked at my son and i was like you know hey are are you interested in creating a radio station for laundromat resource uh you know there's this Software here that you can utilize, and you can upload. Like, so he's he he went through and he uploaded all of my podcast episodes. We're at like 123 right now. Uh, He uploaded a bunch of like live Q and As that I've done. He's uploaded uh, webinars that I've done. We're you know he had he had this idea where maybe you could do um, I could do uh, like a live Q and A on the radio station where people could actually call in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we can have conversations. So we're, I think we're going to try to start doing that. And so he's figuring out how to build out this radio station, but he uploaded all to this software, um, to start this online radio station. And you, he basically has to schedule it all out when stuff's playing. And then he actually went through and recorded, uh, a whole bunch of like calls to actions and like transitions and stuff between. So like a podcast will play and then he'll, yeah. his voice will come on and he's like, you know, Hey, go follow laundromat resource on Instagram.com or Instagram at at laundromat resource or whatever it is. Right. Um, and so he sort of put all this together and, uh, it's just recently that he's just launched it. And so I kind of announced it on the podcast episode and I was like, just go check it out. And, uh, we set up a little Patreon account for him. I was like, you know, if anybody wants to give him a buck or two, just to say, good job for being a 12 year old. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. If not, like, don't worry about it. It's not, Uh, you know, no big deal. And, but he's very excited about that. And, uh, I was like, okay, well, that's phase one is to get it up and running. phase two is like, how do we, how do we turn this into a legit radio station here? I wanted to see some more ideas and how do we grow this? How do we get people listening to it? Um, so that's his, that's his job now. Uh, and, uh, you know,
1: we'll see how it goes. That is super cool. Yeah. Um, does your, uh, does your daughter promote uh your resources as well the the launch my resource over on her youtube channel or is that more just
2: no she doesn't on hers uh she it's her like dancing around and stuff but she is she is like proactively trying to figure out like okay well where's my spot you know and yeah i'm like yeah like let's let's figure out how you can do it you know whether it's like finding you know TikTok or youtube shorts trends that we can Mm -hmm wedge into laundromat resource or you know or whatever like she's got like she's she's probably the most creative person that i know she's so creative um that i have no doubt we're going to find something that's a good fit for her but she's kind of yeah. she's extra motivated right now because she's watching her brother you know create something that is yeah. pretty cool um so she's trying to figure out what she can do right now too
1: that's cool yeah maybe she could do uh record some you know. uh ads for you you know yeah fun fun videos of her at a laundromat doing some ads for the laundromat resource or something yeah you know, that'd totally be, that'd be a lot of fun yeah um i'm sure with her creative creative abilities she'll be she'll be figuring something out here pretty quickly
2: oh yeah uh, yeah that that extra little bit of motivation and the competitive thing kicking in with her brother yeah so i'm sure that'll yeah. help
1: that's awesome yeah. well, I i think that it's super valuable to be bringing kids in and in the business early i mean i um I had zero idea anything about business until, you know, uh, you know, I don't know, eight years ago or so. So it was a, a whole different world for me than what my kids are growing up in, you know, and now we've started homeschooling this year. So one of the projects is to actually build out his, my, my oldest, uh, well, the two of them will do it together, but my two boys to build out a, uh. Um, Vetting machine business or something along those lines um, uh, as long as they don't eat the product right because i'm pretty sure they'll be wanting to eat some doritos as we're is, trying that's to fill them but yeah that is, a, that's is the a downside of the vending <laughs> machine business <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you got to go out and fill them up all the time yeah that's but, uh thing. yeah but man i i really love what you're doing i really like the you know you I really appreciate the fact that that you were vulnerable in talking about some of the hard times that come through all of the business stuff and both both your your marital life as well as with the kids and um, the stress that's involved. But man, you're you're you've picked up in a great spot. It sounds like you guys are are going to be really pushing forward hard on the 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 family why, um, which I think is phenomenal. I love I love it. Is that a blanket? Oh my! Goodness. Yeah, I don't know. He's weird. That- Cuddled up in a blanket. Jeez. He's like, I got a little cold, so I got a blanket and wanted to come cuddle with you. People are afraid of things like that word counseling, like especially with marriage, you know, and and you know, you opening up and just saying, Hey, like it's it's important. Go talk to somebody about this stuff. Like it like that's that's how we get through things is through community, through relating with other people and having a good conversations. So um man, I really appreciate that. But um is there anything that you think I should have asked you about or that you'd like to kind of go into before uh before we wrap it up?
2: Uh I mean I I think you know, one thing that I will say, and this is this will be good for anybody who's in in the thick of it right now, who's who's struggling. Uh, but I think this will also be good for all of us for when we we do encounter that next struggle because we all got struggles coming ahead in the future, mm-hmm. you know, big or small. Um, is you know, one thing you know, kind of coming through and and ended up on the on the backside of those uh, struggles eventually, um, just. Trying to keep that long-term perspective in mind, like life can feel so overwhelming sometimes, and it can feel so hopeless. You know, and you mentioned some of the, like on the combat side of that. You know, I don't know the, the PTSD stuff is just it's so difficult, right? Um, but trying to remember and, and keep in mind the the long term here, like nothing lasts forever, and I think that's one of the things that. Um, my wife and I talked about a lot uh, as we were kind of getting through stuff. It, a lot of times, it feels like whatever life feels like right now, it feels like it's going to feel like that forever, right? Mm-hmm. Good and bad, and you know, it's just I, I just found it helpful to rem- try to proactively remember, like life is it's changing all the time, right? It's never going to be. One way forever. So, if you're in the thick of it, you're feeling overwhelmed. You're feeling like hopeless. Like just again, number one, you know, find somebody else you can talk to about that. But number two, try to keep that long term perspective in mind. Um, in that you do have the ability to change your circumstances, uh, to to a degree, For right? Sure. And and you know, kind of like I was talking about with my. Nutrition and exercise and stuff like you can't control everything, right? You know, genetics are genetics. So you know, but you can control some stuff and look to control the things that you can control, change the things that you can change, and and keep that long term perspective in mind. uh, That it's not going to be like that forever. We'll come through the other side, and when you do make it through the other side, you're going to be a better person. You're going to be stronger. You're Mm going to be wiser, um, and you'll be better off for it just hang tough.
1: I really appreciate that. I think that is very valuable um, advice. And I hope that uh, whoever out there needs that actually takes that advice and heeds it. But um, well, I thank you so much, Jordan, for jumping on. I greatly appreciate it. It was great chatting with you, getting to know you. I hope to see you uh, live and in person in some event in the near future. Yeah. Um, but uh, if people want to reach out to you or find out more about uh, the laundromat resource, how, how, uh, how can they reach out to you?
2: Yeah, uh, well, I mean, Laundromat Resource—you can just Google or LaundromatResource.com. Um, there, my email is Jordan J O R D A N at LaundromatResource.com, uh, so you can email me there also. And uh, yeah, I'd love to chat with anybody who needs a chat.
1: Awesome. Well, um, I hope some people reach out to you. I look forward to uh, releasing this podcast. I think it's going to be very helpful for a lot of people. It was—I know it was for me. There was quite a few different nuggets that I was able to take away, and. Um, apply to my own life and uh if nothing else starting off on a on a, a smack in the face note about our fathers so uh, yeah you know i i uh man what context to be able to put stuff in so thank you so much for uh, again your vulnerability and jumping on and it was great chatting with you jordan and uh looking forward to the next time all right thank you everybody have a wonderful day and we'll see you on the next biz dad podcast
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Biz Dad Podcast. We hope you found some value in your time here with us, and we look forward to bringing you the next episode. If you've enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and share so you and your friends won't miss our upcoming episodes. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Rumble, where we continue these discussions and share more valuable content. Be the dad you know you need to be and run your business in a way you're proud to share with your kids. Keep crushing it!